Hi, I'm Mike Trevisano. I'm ordained as an Osho in our order, and I'll be speaking this week on the worldly winds of status and disgrace, continuing a, a series of talks started last week by my, my brother Brad. Uh, we're going to walk our way through all eight of the, of the worldly winds, gain and loss. I'll do status and, and lack of status or disgrace, fall from status this week. Next week, Brad will take uh, praise and blame, and I'll finish it up with uh, pleasure and pain. Uh, the sutra uh, that this comes from, the Lokavipati Sutra, uh, begins with the Buddha saying a line that I, that I think paints a really uh, beautiful, in an ugly way, image of what these eight are all about. He says that these eight worldly conditions spin after the world, and the world spins after these eight worldly conditions. That these eight things are what plague us as humans, what we, what we run from and what we run after. You know, all of them have, are, are described in sort of a polarity, right? Like, like pleasure and pain, you know, praise and blame, gain and loss, status and disgrace, right? One sounds good, I'll take that one, please. The other one doesn't sound good. I'm good if you keep that one. That's fine, right? And, and it makes sense. It, it makes sense to me why these exist as they are. It makes sense to me why uh, we run after them as we do. <clears throat> why the world spins after them and why, we spend, why they spin after the world. It has to do with our, our, our very biology, right? That in a, in a way... Running after the, the good side of the eight worldly winds is just part of programming of being a human, right? I mean, basic, basic evolutionary science says that the point of a species is to continue the species. That to, the better I'm able to chase after the good side of these eight worldly winds, the more attractive I am to be able to find a mate and continue my genes. High status, tons of gain, lots of pleasure in my life, right? Tons of praise. That, that's, that's a pretty good resume, to, <laughs> a competitive resume to carry on my genes, right? Go after that guy. Don't go after the guy who's in disgrace. He's always getting blamed for stuff. He, he lost everything, jobs, money, his house, like that, you know, and, he's, and he suffers a lot. He's always in pain, kind of, Who would want that guy? Right? It makes sense. It, it, it is our natural state to chase after the good side of these things. But the point of the sutra is, is the Buddha is, is saying, but, that, but it's trouble. The chase after these is, is ultimately, uh, ultimately not going to give you what you want. <laughs> right? That even if you have all of those things, and we know people who have most of these things, who have the life that we think we would want, that like, man, that, that dude must be like super happy. He's got like, he's, he's, got the, he's got everything, right? And then you come to learn that he's not happy, right? That's, that he's, he suffers, right? But it makes sense. Evolutionarily, you know, I want to be able to compete. I, I strive to be the best, you know, version of myself in, in, for all marketing appearances so that I can 
most successfully meet someone and, and pass on my genes. It's part of who I am to chase after this stuff. I, I have, uh, in my own history, this particular one, the status and disgrace one, uh, hits awful close to home. And I'm sure it hits awful close to home for most people. I, I, I think that especially in this time of uh, social media where our own personal brand is ever-present and updated daily and you know this is who I am in the world and this is why I'm worth liking you know uh, is is at a, at a critical level for us to to want to look at this one in particular and see what what is going on here and how can we how can we get out of this uh, I was just listening to a, a podcast the other day and they were interviewing uh, Tristram Harris who is uh, if you ever saw the film The Social Dilemma on Netflix highly recommend it especially when it comes to this topic uh, I was listening to an a interview with him and he was talking about suicide rates among teens and and how they have gone up not not just from the advent of social media of Facebook but from the moment when social media was able to find itself on a phone, on a portable device, you can point to that data point and you can see suicide levels make a dramatic change among all ages, but particularly teens. That, that status as something uh, that, we that we care about and uh, actively uh, do, do whatever we can to make sure that that status is broadcast in the most favorable terms uh, in a repeated way. And not only that we broadcast it, but that we receive the feedback to let us know that we're doing okay with it, that we have tons of followers, that we have tons of likes to our posts and things like that. This wheel that we're, that we're on from a status perspective is uh, off the rails. It seems to be going further and further off the rails. I mentioned uh, this one hits close to home, particularly for me. I, uh, several years ago, I had a job. Uh, I took a position in a pretty cool place, uh, at a cool organization in a really cool place. And I was, I was there for four years. And during that, those four years, the way I describe it to myself, it was like my ego self was on vacation because I didn't really have to think about how I might present myself to the world. Because just by virtue of where I was and what I was doing, I could just rest on that. I could lean into it, just be like, look, look at this incredible life. Huh? Pretty incredible. I, when I, Facebook does this wonderful thing where it gives you, you know, you know, memories of your old statuses and stuff. And some of them are just cringy as all get out for me. I'm gosh, was I that guy? Was I doing that? Uh, but at the time, it felt unbelievable. But it ended. Like Brad talked about last week, you know, uh, a fundamental problem with these eight worldly wins is that they're impermanent, that they end. And this one ended for me. And it ended consciously. My family got together and we decided it's time to move back home. We wanted to be closer to our, our families our, and our parents at the time. Uh, and it made sense for us. And we went into that consciously. And I did not realize at the time that we made those decisions 
just how painful it would become for me once we were back. And I had, my ego self had a moment to go, wait a, wait a second, what about the story we were telling about ourselves? We don't have that anymore. And, and I would say I suffered a true eruption of my own identity. Like, who, who am I? If I'm not that anymore, then who am I? And is this person that I, I'm saying I am now, is that person worth anything? And the answer I was coming up with was no, he wasn't. He, he's like a failure. He's like a, he's like a piece of shit. Like who is this guy? What, what's he do? What's his, what's his worth now? It's not good. And I suffered depression. If I, if, I, if I go back and look at it clearly now, I'm like, yeah, dude, you were, you were depressed. You were holding back on that, but you were, you were depressed. Of course, uh, it's a part of my path that leads to this very, you know, me here now doing this very talk, right? So I, so I, I bow to it, the experience of, of going through it. But this one in particular, the, the thirst for status and then the fall from that, and the pain that can come uh, is, is all too real for, for me personally. So, so what, can you, what can we do about it? Because not only is it, does it make sense from an evolutionary standpoint, but even a, a Psych 101 student can, can give you the support, right? That, that we have support for why this is. And it comes in the form of, <clears throat> if you're familiar with, uh, Abraham Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. If not, here's a, a quick primer, Psych 101 primer. <clears throat> so Abraham Maslow comes up with this concept of that all human beings have, have needs, and they must be satisfied in order. So it's a hierarchy, and it's drawn like a triangle, right? And the, the lowest order need are these physiological needs of, of a human being. By physiological, I need food, I need shelter, I need water. Without those things, there is no going after anything else. There are no Instagram followers that I can go chase after if I have no water or food or shelter, right? So they must be satisfied. Once they are, the next order is safety needs. That I need to, as a human, I need to live in a society where I feel safe. There's got to be laws. There has to be opportunities for employment and an economy that makes sense that I am able to uh, satisfy those physiological needs through a job of some sort, right? So physiological, then, then these safety needs, once those happen, I'm, I can be open to my, my very human need for love, that for relationships, for, for family, for connections with other human beings. And once that is satisfied, I can go to the next order of, of needs, which are esteem needs. Needs that uh, that I have uh, experienced dignity as a human being, that I uh, am able to uh, operate or work somewhere that that uh, I find uh, understands the worth of the work that I do, that I have a certain status in life, that I that I'm able to recognize that my position in in this world is one that I think is valuable that I have a need for that. And only after these four categories of needs are satisfied can I go after the last one, the self-actualization, as Maslow called it, the peak experiences of life, the true enlightened 
being, I can only go after that stuff once those others are met. And that's the, that's the world of, of the eight worldly winds, right? Like that's, that's the ego self world of doing and having. That I have these things, I do these things so I can have those things, and if I do it well enough, I can get to that very, very top order of need. I can finally uh, do something to self-actualize. But, uh, and that is my natural state. But if I look, there is something else that is my natural state as well. And I think, I think you can look too. When I walk in a forest <clears throat> on a beautiful day and I feel a connection, whatever that is, that indescribable connection, that's natural just like that urge for the others. When I'm with someone who I really love and I feel that connection, that's every bit as natural. When I see someone <clears throat> who I love uh, do something and it brings them true joy, then I feel joy for them. And it's every bit as natural as the other one. When I see someone who's suffering, someone I love or even someone I don't love, someone who is who, a being who is in pain, my heart naturally feels compassion for them. I don't have to work at it. Right? It is my, every bit my natural state to experience those feelings as it is to experience this drive towards the eight worldly winds. <clears throat> Excuse me. We, I would put those under ego self world of doing and having. This is the true self world of being. This is who I am in my most clear, natural state of beingness. And we all have that experience. And I would go so far as to say those are the experiences I truly, truly value. And there's a reason for that. They're the ones that feel the best. They're the ones that I think I'm going to get over here if I work just hard, of it, hard enough at it. Then I'll have this true, profound feeling of connection and love and compassion, right? <clears throat> but the, the fact of the matter is that, that feeling of love, and compassion and joy. That, that feeling is inherent in me from the start as a human being. And this is why, uh, to give all credit where credit is due, uh, internationally renowned teacher and, and wonderful person, Anthony Stultz, is the, is the one that says, you can take that Maslow hierarchy of needs just turn it, just turn it right over. When we, when we really look at who we are as a person, that self-actualization need, that biggest experience of our life kind of need, it's already there. We just have to see it. Now, of course, yes, we need food, we need shelter. I'm not arguing against that. Both are true, right? Both, both exist, but I don't have to wait to experience that top one. It's, it's accessible to me right here. It's every bit my natural state as my evolutionarily, my biological need to run the rat race, right? But in order to experience it, I have to do something. I have to practice it because if this other one is my, 
biological drive, my unconditional, no, unconditional, my, um, if I'm not conscious, my unconscious drive, that's the word I was going for, my unconscious drive is going to just go over to that, right? That's, that's what we see, right? That's what I do. I don't have to blame it on somebody else. That's what I, I mean, that's what I was doing with that job, right? Like I was feeling severe, you know, pain and depression about that job because like the urge is just so great, right? It's only when I mindfully look at what is really truly most important, that feeling of connection and love and compassion, right? And joy. When I look at those and realize, ah, that's what I'm really after, that I can, that I can naturally get off the wheel, right? But I have to mindfully do it. In order to mindfully do it, I have to, I have to know to mindfully do it, right? And so in, in our practice, this is why it's so important to, to, have, to, follow, through, uh, to follow through on, on, our, on our practice that I'm able to set my intent daily, that I'm able to, to understand the precepts of what I really want my life to be like, to consciously voice it and, and dedicate myself to it. This is what I want my life to be like and remind myself of it daily and to, and, and to use the practice of meditation in order to understand what thoughts are swimming around up there. Because if I don't take the time to look, then I don't know, right? And they'll just take over. So meditation can help me to understand what is cooking up there that I may not be conscious of, right? That may be troubling me, but I just don't even know about it because I didn't take the time to look. And meditation can help me to do that. And then once I understand what that thinking is that may be driving an emotion that is not feeling so hot, I can use the practice of mindfulness to unpack that and understand, all right, what am I feeling? What thought is that based off of? You know, and where in my fundamental programming is that coming from? And, and can I choose something else? But that's the, that's the, that's the bottom line. The one state, the, the chasing after the eight worldly winds, is going to happen if I, don't, if I don't watch out for it. That's why these practices to get to the, the place I really truly want to be have to be at the forefront of my mind as a practice. That I've got to make that a priority. You know, I have to practice. If there's anything we can do as part of our community here, uh, we, are, we would love to help. Feel free, let, reach out, comment on the video, just uh, send a note to, to Sensei Tony at, the, at, the, at his website, asksenseitony.com. We're here as a Buddhist community in central Pennsylvania, but we work with people from all over, and we are uh, happy to do so. If you feel that we can be of help, please reach out to us. Get off the wheel. This other, this other place is better, right? <laughs> you know it. It feels better. So we can help.